Hello, I'm Emma Rice, the Artistic Director of Wise Children, and you're listening to Wise Children's Lockdown. Our lockdown project is about us finding ways of staying close to each other. On this show, I call up an old friend, play some records, and most importantly, get to chat and reminisce. Come and join us for Tea and Biscuits. And welcome to Wise Children's Tea and Biscuits. And today I am delighted to be talking to my friend and colleague, Natasha Jayatalike. Hello. I haven't seen you for such a long time, Hello. Natasha. It's been ages. I had a human growing in me the last time I saw you, I think. And I think said human is trying to break into this room. <laughs> So there may be an interruption. I'm really sorry. I don't care at all. It's really exciting. Um, So before we get down to frivolous matters, we need to talk about the important things, which is, first of all, what is your biscuit of choice? My biscuit of choice is a biscotti biscuit. The Italian kind of made with almonds. It's really hard and you can only really eat it when you dunked it in. I I don't drink tea, but so I dunk it in hot milk like a baby. Um, But I haven't got one today because I'm three days off the end of January and I've been doing a dry, clean January. So in three days, I will eat the biscotti. <laughs> it's a deal. I, I find biscottis a bit aggressive for my liking because they are so hard, aren't they, without the milk? It's like me. I'm well hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sorry you find them too hard. What, what, if, what would you have? What are you having? Well, I don't have a biscuit either, in truth. Um, I, I, I can't at the moment I think about Belgian twirls all the times you know the ones like cigars so I keep saying the same thing but they're, they're so delicious and you can pretend to smoke at the same time so it, it sort of fulfills quite a lot of fantasy sugar and glamour and, and naughtiness all in one that's so you. That's just perfectly you. When I was a kid, obviously much older than you, but in the 70s, we used to actually be able to get packets of cigarettes that were sweets that would be white oh, yeah. with the red tips yeah. and then you could pretend to smoke and eat sugar. Brilliant, brilliant. Uh, I think by the time they hit the 80s, the red tip had gone, <laughs> but I definitely had the white stick in a packet. They just weren't lit. <laughs> simple and we also and then we should stop talking about confectionery that doesn't exist anymore but we also used to get packets of tobacco which was like shredded coconut or something so you could even pretend to roll your own and eat and and smoke it was amazing oh happier time what did you roll it in you could roll it in that you know those um papers that they used to have disney characters on that used to stick on fairy cakes like the edible paper you could roll it in one of those yeah Oh, we should start a business. (laughs) So come on, tell me, I know a bit of the answer, but tell me about your lockdown and how has it been? Uh, Well, all three lockdowns. Tell me the story of this time for you. They've been much the same. Uh, We're in our house in uh, Buckinghamshire, uh, Beaconsfield. And um, when I say our house, it's a fragment of it is still our house but it's now part office for my husband who's been working from home since February. Uh, It's nearly a year. Um, It's part primary school, it's part nursery, it's currently part dance studio because my eight-year-old is having a Zoom tap lesson in her bedroom. Um, So it's been a challenge, I think chaotic, 
in our home and the schooling has been challenging but then also has had some nice mo you know beautiful moments we um on the first day of lockdown one my eldest and i started reading the harry potters and we finished the final harry potter the night before she went back to school in september so the whole period was just oh, in in normal life we i would never have had the time to do that with her in that sort of you know mm -hmm. spanning that that amount of months and i was really um uh, artistically frustrated at the time because obviously there wasn't anything our industry was dying a death i wasn't doing anything um performing wise so the um Harry Potter characters became my vehicle to act. <laughs> and so they all very much came to life over the summer. Uh, so it has been challenging, but it's also had some nice moments that I hope she'll remember. And, and how are you managing home homeschooling? I mean, I can't, I literally can't think of anything. Being a parent is sort of terrifying enough to my imagination. The thought of actually having to be teacher as well as parent. How have you managed? Well, hence probably why I'm doing a clean, dry January because I just did a lot of drinking <laughs> uh, through the first couple of lockdowns. Um, no, it's really challenging. I think what I feel is that, you know, when I think of primary school, and I, I expect most people when they think of primary school, you don't remember the lesson plans or the learning objectives. You remember your friends and the silly things you used to play and the trips and the assemblies and that sort of stuff and they're just not getting any of that Emma and it's frustrating for her it's frustrating for me to try and fill that void which I can't do because I'm a mum um but the school have been amazing and everyone's doing their best and it's for the right reason I, so I don't know just trying to stay positive through it it's a, but you've got two as well so you, who are at very very different developmental stages aren't they yeah, absolutely. <laughs> For those of you that can't see, Natasha currently has her head in her hands as I've asked this question. <laughs> uh, I'm doing this last thing on. It's such a lovely thing to be talking to an adult. Um, it's yeah, no, it's really challenging because I have an eight-year-old and an almost two-year-old, and yes, exactly, they have very different needs. And I feel more more sorry actually for my two-year-old because pretty much for the whole the last year of her life, which is the only bit she can really remember she hasn't really seen a person uh bar the postman um and us so she's desperate to go places and do stuff um which we do our best to accommodate in our house and garden uh i don't know it's it's just challenging is the best word i can find for it and just got to keep going it's at least another six weeks so we just have to persevere well respect is all I can say. Respect and love and... I didn't train to be a teacher, funnily enough. Exactly. So, uh... I mean, I have been laughing with all my actor friends. I mean, a less, a demographic less appropriate for trying to <laughs> discipline and rally and give some structure to children. There, there is not a worse group of people, is there? I mean, I think the number of books that have been read and puppets that have been played with and films that have been watched is probably off the scale in the acting community. Absolutely. But get this, um, eight-year-old English lesson this week was to write a script oh. uh, based on the work they've been doing on the railway children. Did I come into my own or did I come into my own? She got a house point this week, Emma, funnily enough. <laughs> Boom. There was a blackout. 
There was a blackout. There was on stage rain. Uh, we went straight into the interval for drama. Oh, it was really good. <laughs> I can see the competition light up in your eyes. <laughs> You smashed it. Oh, well, listen. Yeah. Well done. Well done. I mean, I I don't know. Thank you. I, I slightly envy you having a slightly busier house because it's mostly me and Simon rattling around this house. But um, that's probably where my envy ends because what a job. What a time. <laughs> <laughs> so yep. what a delight. Is this one for me? What a delight to be looking at my dear old friend and talking about work and dreams and adventures again. So before we kick off on our marvellous um, friendship and adventure together. Tell me about your first record choice and why you've chosen it. My first choice is Do Your Thing by Basement Jacks. And I've chosen it because I think my performing journey began with dancing, which I did from I don't know, my first ballet lesson, age three, and didn't really stop. And it was my biggest passion growing up and as a child. It um, just made me really happy. And this song kind of taps into that part, that that element of my love for dance. And I just can't listen to it without dancing. And I've, I've listened to it really angry. I've listened to it in tears. And it's kind of irrespective of how I felt when I started listening to the record. By the end, I have this kind of um, like a manic joy in me. It's kind of manic. It's not technical dancing, it's just manic dancing. I, I, I can't imagine how anyone can listen to it and not feel the same way.
brought the dance to my life. Thank you. We've just had a good opt. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you for bringing a bit of. Oh. I heard that. You heard that. <laughs> it brought me out in a cold sweat. <laughs> oh, we've been. Um, we've have instigated some kitchen discos just to get some energy out. Trying to burn off energy. Oh January. yeah. Do you have a light? Possible. Do you, a, do you have a disco light? No, I haven't got that far. But maybe I should. Maybe it's an Amazon I recommend purchase. It. But but yeah, I have to I have to get some energy out because the days are long, aren't they? They're short and they're long at the same time and just sort of trying to Exactly that. Yeah. Pace them and, you know, feel yeah, get some excitement. Dancing is very important. So I'm gonna take us back. Dancing is at the heart <gasps> of it. We met in 2012, a year that I can't forget because, of course, it was the year of the Olympics. And I was artistic director of Knee High at the time and I was approached... Now, I'm going to get this wrong because there were so many different funding pockets at the time, but it was a cultural... Um, fund to go alongside the Olympics. I don't actually think it was the Cultural Olympiad, but it was a it was an idea to piece to um, glue together different organizations and make amazing new British culture. And I was approached by Sadler's Wales and Stratford East to come in with Knee High and create a new British Bollywood musical. So as somebody that was living in Cornwall at the time and knew absolutely nothing about Bollywood or anything, I said yes. <laughs> and we embarked on the making of Vava Girls. And I mean, I've actually already done a tea and biscuits with, um, well, the, the hand, there's a special hand gesture that always has to go with Vava. Um, I've talked to Tanika about it. I mean, I look back on it now and I just think it was absolutely crazy. It was one of the most chaotic, troubled, difficult, bumpy shows I've ever worked on. And yet, the gifts that it brought me are beyond almost any other shows. The culture that I discovered, the people I discovered, the music I grew to love. I, I, I honestly feel that as a, as a moment in my life, it was when the, the world cracked open for me. But when I think about the details, it was all over the place, wasn't it? It, um... I, I wouldn't know where to start. I'm glad you started talking about it because I really wouldn't know. I have so many big emotions when I think about that period of time. But it's, I, I, had, I, I knew it was rocky and bumpy and all the things you just said. Um, but I'm so glad it also brought you good things. Enormous good things. And it was a really great piece of work. I loved it. But it, it was, no, you know, the sort of... It was not smooth, was it? One beat of the journey was not smooth. And I mean, things that you may or may not have known, because it was the first time I met you. So, you know, we weren't friends at the start of it. We were working together. But I think the first idea was that we were going to have 30 dancers. And, and it really did end up as three, didn't it? <laughs> we were oh, wasn't, there, wasn't there a suggestion that if we used mirrors, then, then that would multiply the dancers? <laughs> I honestly think we talked about holograms at one point. It was, I mean, it just, it it sort of kept diminishing and, and in lots of different ways, lots of different ways. But I loved, I mean, Tanika's a friend for life. You're a friend for life. I loved working with Niraj Shark, the, the composer. Um, Tony, Joe Adina. It was, um, it was just amazing, amazing. Rina, Fantania, just a, a 
beautiful group of people um, doing this crazy thing and trying to bring Bollywood to England. I mean, we had um, Javed Sanadi as our amazing choreographer <laughs> teaching us Bollywood, this tiny group of people that didn't know anything. I mean, you were a fantastic dancer, but not trained in Bollywood at all. Not you? at all, not at all. And it, it, we, he was, um, this choreographer Javed was hardcore. He was hardcore Bollywood dancing. And I think he may have been led to believe that he was flying over to London to work with a group of incredibly highly qualified Bollywood dancers. And actually he got us, the most motley crew. <laughs> um, in, a, in a church hall in Jarford, I don't think he could have known what hit him, really. I think he must have been incredible. Yeah, exactly that. Who, poor lad, what must have gone through his mind on day one through to week four, I don't know. Um, but it was, for me, it was, it was hands down easily the hardest job I have ever had for, from an emotional, physical and mental place. Um, but it taught me something, you taught me something that I will take away from that job. It taught me my own strength. I don't think I knew my own strength physically and mentally um, until I did that show. It really, I really had to scrape to the bottom of everything I had. But thanks to you, I found that. And I, and I don't know if I've ever found it again since, but um, I know it's there somewhere lurking. Um, oh. And whilst it was really difficult, it did teach me something. I really found myself. That sounds oh, really... Well, whilst um, I sort of want to happen, I actually can't think of anything I hate the thought of more than a actor I love having to scrape the bottom of the barrel to I love the idea of if I if somebody asked me what my dream process would be it would be that the foundations are so solid of the work that actors can dance on the surface of it and that's the exact opposite isn't it is that sort of trying to scrape it is, to the bottom I should probably um, clarify the reason the, the underlying reason for that was that I discovered I was pregnant uh, very early on in this process and um <laughs> I also, I don't thank you enough uh, for the decision you made. Well, I don't know if you should call it a decision, but you, unlike most, I think, directors, certainly at that time, I don't know about now, but back in 2012, absolutely championed my choice to stay on and keep working. And I'll never forget it. You, I was so nervous. I had to, we had to have a conversation. And you just said, look, do you want to keep doing it? Hey, I do, I do. Um, well, if, if I can keep strong women in this business for as long as possible, then I will. And I can't remember what I said next, probably cried. Um, but it stuck with me forever because you did, you stood by me. And the reason it was so tough for me, because I had my head down the toilet. If I wasn't dancing, I had my head down the toilet. <laughs> and uh, so I, I remember that we had a bed. Um, in one of the scenes, there was a prop bed and it was always in the rehearsal space. And whenever I could, I'd just get into the bed and go to sleep. <laughs> Lunch times, I'd just go to sleep in the bed. It was just a physically very demanding process. Um, and I was away from home and I was pregnant and it was just a perfect storm. Uh, but we, I was surrounded by wonderful people and looking back that's the best part about it they were every single member of that company was so supportive of me um, and you were you extraordinary at the helm. And then I... Natasha you were extraordinary you were learning you were my leading lady 
learning big, huge Bollywood solos in, in what turned out to be quite revealing outfits as well, as you were changing shape in front of my eyes. <laughs> and you were supposed to be very young, weren't you, Sita? And I mean, I did used to just, I love it. I mean, I, I honestly love it. I, I don't see it as a decision. The only question is, do you want to do it? And the minute you say you want to do it, then I support you. That's the only question. You must know that that's not the way everyone would be. No, maybe you don't. I know that that's not the way everyone would be. Yeah, I'm so not, well, I suppose you don't know how I don't know, long. actually, because I don't work with other directors, but it... I... Even if you began to think like that, I can't imagine... It, it doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't go anywhere. What are you saying? If somebody gets ill, do you say you can't work or I don't... I discard you. It doesn't. I, I don't. I feel that the question can only go one way, which is, how can I support? And I mean, if you learn one thing as you've been on the planet for long enough, is that, you know, everything changes. That's the only thing that's certain. So the only thing you can do is keep changing with it and learning what you can learn. And it was tough watching how hard it was for you physically, because I wasn't deaf and blind to the fact that you were running to the toilet and curling up in bed. But you were also getting out of the toilet and out of bed whenever you were needed and giving it 100% and your joy. And and that, you know, you just sort of think, wow, why would you stop that? Apart from sometimes I think you would have loved to have been, had a sort of a beautiful theatre ambulance turn up outside and just taking you away from <laughs> But it was oh, no, it was and, um... and a privilege, and but you know, but and and also to watch you changing physically as the tour went on, and we opened the show, and to watch, as I say, you, you were supposed to be a teenager, weren't you? You're a teenager in a revealing outfit, sort of teenager quietly, in an orange bikini, <laughs> quietly getting a little bit larger around her tummy, but but beautiful, beautiful, and that's what, you know, I guess in film you wouldn't have been able to carry on, but in theatre, why not? You're just it's all pretend. You say to people, I don't think anybody would have noticed yeah. either, but it was amazing. So in honour of that orange bikini and you being <laughs> such a champ and being bloody amazing in the show, absolutely amazing. That's what I want to say before we move on is, that, you know, I met you. You are so smart, so um, talented, so beautiful. You've got everything. What I didn't know is how bloody funny you were going to be. And I remember doing, do you remember when we did that character improvisation? And you just knocked my socks off. Um, she was from the north. She was um, edgy. She was really funny. And I can remember thinking, oh my, this woman is really, really special. She's got everything. I remember that improvisation really vividly, actually. I remember being, uh, you, you were asking each of us to do it throughout the first week. And you'd left me till quite near the end, intentionally or not, I don't know. But I was getting more and more kind of anxious about it because people were doing these amazing things. And I realised I didn't really, I didn't really know who I was playing at that point. Cesar was my character and I hadn't found her at all. I didn't really get her. And then you took, a, took me to the back of the room. We had a costume rail and we picked out a few bits to wear. And you'd, I can't remember what the tune was, but you put on a tune that we had to kind of make our entrance to. And I remember I kind of found a walk as I walked forward to face my kind of panel of uh, company. And then someone asked a question, I think you, you asked a question, and she just came, she just came out. Uh, and I remember doing the, the improv 
And at the end, being so shocked, because I don't think I've ever been through that process and so quickly found a character. It was amazing. It was. It was, it was amazing from my side as well. So in honour of Vava Girls, Vava, and you and your growing tummy and and the world of Bollywood for which I am now forever in love with we're going to do Choli Kepiche um, but I've chosen a slightly different mix I've chosen instead of the mix that we've used I've chosen a Bali Sagu mix which I loved Bali Sagu all through my 20s so I actually feel that my love of Indian culture and Bollywood has actually been creeping up on me for a long time so this is a special extra special mix coming back all that beautiful and and there's a close it's it is quite close to ballet because I did ballet when I was a girl as well and that that beautiful sort of elegant storytelling did have quite a balletic feel to it and you you took to it like a duck to water (laughs) I just as as you were playing the song I realized oh crikey I remember some of the the choreography 
And then I realized that we, we worked really hard that first week. I think we tried to all learn the, the, the piece, even though it was going to be my sort of solo. Um, and towards the end of the week, it was really difficult choreography. Towards the end of the week, I was just starting to get my head around it. And then Javid said to me, no, no, you need to sing at the same time. What? No, you need to lip sync. <laughs> what? So I had to then go home and learn the words. And I don't speak Hindi, so I had to then not only learn the choreography, but I had to lip sync the words at the same time. But just as it played, I realised I still know it. It's still in there. She's still got it. <laughs> I could do the revenge of Jolika Pichu. <laughs> Oh, um, tell me about your next record and why you've chosen it. My next record is Heaven on Their Minds from Jesus Christ Superstar. And I've chosen it because my love of theatre, which if it wasn't for that, we wouldn't be sitting here today, I doubt. My love of theatre came from my father, who came to England from Sri Lanka in the 70s to, as a student. And he used to tell us about how um, he, had, he had no money. He was a student. He, I think he had money for beer, but that, that seemed to be it. But miraculously, he seemed to be able to afford to go to the theatre. He say, he'd say that he'd pay a bob or a ruffins or tuppence, or, I'm not sure, old money, to go and stand in the gods and, and watch shows. And it would cost him very little. Um, and the first show he saw when he came to London was the original West End production of Jesus Christ Superstar at the Palace Theatre, and he loved it. Um, and then growing up, we had the concept album that he would listen to, and I, I, I don't think I ever really connected with it until 1996, when they made the revival at the Lyceum, and we all went to see it. My dad used to take us to the theatre regularly, so he took us to see this show, and I just fell in love with it. Um, I also fell truly deeply in love at the age of 14 with the man who is singing this version, hopefully, um, Zubin Vala, who you, you may know, I'm not sure if you, you've worked with him. I do, I have worked with him, I love Zubin, and what a voice, what a voice. And you what... don't love him as much as I loved him, oh. no way, <laughs> no way. Everyone else in my class was hankering after Take That and Boyzone tickets, and I was saving up for Jesus Christ Superstar tickets. <laughs> I saw the show. 13 times. <gasps> I used to stalk the stage door um, and I've never met him. I've never worked with him. I don't think our paths should ever cross because you shouldn't meet your heroes. I don't think oh, should you. Oh, I, I hope Subin um, listening. <laughs> two women are sending you lots of love. Lots of love. He was my so own much love. The globe. Oh, right. So he, um, yeah, go on. That was my obsession through my teens. Um, and it. I also realised that, so this was 96 for a year or two, and it was a really diverse, racially diverse production. And looking back, we, Dad would take us to a lot of, you know, we're talking big West End shows. And I think this may have been the first time, I was 14, and I think it may have been the first time that I realised there was a colourful presence, a big colourful presence on stage. And I think it was also the first time that I went from being, oh yeah, I really want to be a, I really want to work in the West End. It became serious. I became serious about wanting to pursue that as a career, as a as a real ambition. Um, and then it would be exactly ten years later that I'd walk through the stage door of the Lyceum and did my, well, I don't know, second West End show there in, in the Lion King. Um, so yeah, so this 
song just takes me back to that time when I really, really found what it was I wanted to do and thought it could be possible by looking at this particular show. And then the other reason is because my darling dad, we lost him last year and um, I haven't listened to this yet since then. So it may be difficult or it might be joyous. I'm not entirely sure, but it was one of his favorites and just that starting riff. I don't know, it just transports me to a really happy place. And this definitely the start of my love of musical theater. Not the start, that's not true. That happened a long time before that, but my, um, the start of taking it really seriously. And it reminds me of him. My mind is clearer now At last all too well I can see Where we all soon will be If you strip away The myth from the man You will see where we all soon believe the things they say of you you really do believe this talk of God is true and all the good you've done will soon get swept away you've begun to matter more than the things you say listen Jesus I don't like what you see all I ask is that you listen to me And remember, I've been your right-hand man all along You have set them all on fire They think they found the new messiah And they'll hurt you when they find they're wrong I remember when this whole thing began no talk of God, then we called you a man And believe me, my admiration for you hasn't died But every word you say today Gets twisted round some other way And they'll hurt you if they think you've lied Nazareth, you're famous, son, should have stayed a great unknown Like his father carving wood He'd have made good Table, chair and oaken chest Would have suited Jesus best He'd have caused nobody harm No one alive Listen Jesus, do you care for your race? Don't you see we must keep in our place? We are occupied Have you forgotten how but now we are? And our conquerors object To another noisy sect and they'll crush us if we go too far If we go too Sad to see our chances weakening we 
heaven on their minds It was beautiful but now it's sour Yes, it's all What a voice. I am embarrassed to say that when I met Zubin, who I knew his work really well, but I hadn't seen him in a musical, when I did meet him for Midsummer Night's Dream, I did say, do you do you sing? Are you happy to sing? And he said, yeah, I can sing. And I'm like, now I know him. I'm like, I cannot believe I asked him that. I cannot believe. Oh, Natasha, I'm so sorry to hear about your dad. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I lost my dad last year as well, so I'm... So I feel the minute you said that, I I feel I know. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry too. Tough times, hey. Yeah, it's the natural order of things, but somehow, so much worse no, than I ever I know. imagined. So my heart goes out to you. Yeah. It sounds really obvious, and I know so many people are going through it, but it's just a really hard time to lose someone, isn't it? It's with everything, with all the restrictions, it feels like somehow a restriction on your ability to grieve as well. I think at times. Let's move on to some happier, on to happier. happier things. <laughs> <laughs> so, having worked with you, you managed to get pregnant immediately. Um, your beautiful, gorgeous, wonderful little girl got to a point where you began to think about coming back to work. And I snaffled you up as soon as I was able and asked you to come and work with me at Shakespeare's Globe on Romantics Anonymous. Um, the first time we did it there, and it was my final show. Was it my final show? Yes, it was. My final show. It was a crazy idea. What I really wanted to do, it had been such a, again, another, uh, such a bumpy ride and a long ride. That's the thing is that the, the, from the moment that it was decided and I decided to leave the globe to my leaving was 18 months. It was too long. You know, narratively, this story could not sustain this sort of length of time. Um, and so by the end, it was. I just made a decision that the only way to get through this was to do something so joyful and full of love and so delicious was the only... I, I just didn't want to... The last thing I wanted to do was a Jacobean tragedy by candlelight. I was like, no way. That is not going to happen. I'm going to do a musical about chocolate and I'm going to fill that room with beautiful <laughs> human beings and make something special. And we bloody did, didn't we? We just did. Oh, it was so magical. For me, it was magical on so many levels, but it was the most beautiful theatre I've ever done. It was just gorgeous. I, um, it was Christmas time. It was in the Sam Wanamaker Playhouse, which I'd never worked at before. And um, I can remember, I know this sounds so cliche, I can remember genuinely having the breath taken from me the first time I walked in. I think we were in the middle of rehearsals and you said, the theatre's clear, you can go and have a quick look. And we all snuck in from the back at the sort of upper gallery level. So we pretty much walked in at the roof 
and looked down and oh it was just amazing and then every night it would just have candles and <laughs> we'd eat melted chocolate at the start of the show and we had to speak to people in French it was just a beautiful story and incredible music and a brilliant group of people it wasn't it just such a fabulous company I just loved it from beginning to end and I wasn't pregnant <laughs> Don't give the punchline away, but yes, that was the unique thing about this piece of work that we did. <laughs> um, no, it was. It was magic. And I just remember, I don't think there was a bumpy rehearsal. I don't think there was a raised voice. I don't think there was an upset. It just... Well, the quick changes in tech, in candlelight, there was a lot of quick changes, wasn't it? That's I think we did hit a little bit of stress at that point. But other than that, it was such a truly enjoyable experience from beginning to end and it was exactly what I wanted um, the end of my chapter to be I did not I did not want any more conflict I did not want any more politics I just wanted to remind myself of what a good life is and what and how theatre is a massive part of it and I just will love you all forever the, the, as a team it was such a beautiful treat and yeah you it got was, where, and um a French outfit and speak French and be funny and touching and it was just everything. It really, really was. We even got a field trip out of it. I've never had a field trip with a with a with a company before. And we got to go and make and eat the most incredible fancy chocolate. Paul Wasn't he called Paul Young? Paul Young. Because like the singer Paul it wasn't Young. that Paul Young, it was a different Paul Young. Yes. Paul Young's um, chocolate workshop in Soho. That was incredible. Well, that and then we got funny. to give chocolate to everyone every night. It was brilliant. Well, because also I decided to because I wrote the the book of this musical. I wrote a book about a musical that uh, was all about the love of chocolate. When I have never liked chocolate, and when we did that tasting, I I was everybody was like going crazy for it, and I I I didn't like the feel of chocolate in my mouth but crazy fact I've got into chocolate during lockdown I have a hey. square of dark chocolate every night and that's that's new I don't know when it happened but I don't know oh. I, I've, I think it's the milkiness I don't like I think it's the sticky milkiness but now I've discovered dark chocolate I, I wish so I'm um, next time we do it I'll I might be getting my finger in the bowl a little bit more how dark is the dark chocolate that you have? As Do you remember? Because he made us try 100% and that was pretty intense. It's, yeah, I have, I'm not that hardcore. But I think I've, I think I've got up to 79. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 79. Um, so, Simon, can we go out of order? Good. Let's go for your next song choice. And tell me why. For mine? You've kind of done it, yes. Sorry. Oh, sorry, we led to it. My next song choice is... Do you know, this is quite embarrassing. I don't know what it's called. Is it just called The Emotifs? Or is it called The Hymn of The Emotifs? I'm not sure. Well, I don't know. I, we did used to call it The Hymn, didn't we? I think it's The Hymn. The Hymn yes. of The Emotifs. It's from Romantics Anonymous. And it's... Um, oh, it, I've chosen it because it was one of the best experiences of my career thus far to be working there to be working with you again 
to be um, just a part of your last hurrah, that you would have me back, even though I may have let you down the first time round. Um, it was a joyous experience. It was absolutely magical. And this song is almost all of us singing. And in rehearsals, I think this is where we would laugh the most because we had quite simple hand kind of choreography, but we could never quite get it right. And, um, oh, it was just brilliant. I loved it. This is the um, hymn of the MOT. Well, I'm, I have to, I can't let it play without picking you up on one thing. So you did not let me down. You got pregnant. Oh, it's not the same you. thing. You can't say that. This is true. This is true. I won't have Let's it. Thank you. So what you're about to hear, um, Mr. Simon Baker has been doing a bit of a um, stars on 45, is we took the archive recording from the Globe. So it starts with you um, and, and the original <gasps> company, the OGs. Um, and then it elides into the most recent production. So what you'll you'll also hear at home, you'll hear a live audience in the first bit, and then you'll hear a cleaner, um, more broadcast quality at the end. So it's a lovely hurrah and a shout out to both my beautiful romantics casts. happens is I'm nervous around women so I talk about computers and the monologue extends because before I know what's happening I discover that I'm rambling spewing technical vernacular that no one comprehends then I see they have no interest which increases my discomfort and because I'm feeling anxious I try harder to impress so I'm fighting facts and figures about deep plus and basic at this poor old suffering woman who could not care less I'm Remy just with a motif
Thank, Thank you. you. It's among our closely held convictions that self-reflection helps us come to terms with our various afflictions such as loneliness, fatigue, panic or anxiety, jealousy or guilt, or trouble with relationships, grief, low self-esteem, or obsessive overthinking, boredom or despair, or excessive hypertension, chronic insecurity, a looming sense of dread, or unreasonable fears, including but not limited to accidental death, or snakes, or clouds, or germs. Tasha, it's all in there. Oh, God, that brings it back so much. Like, it is brilliant. I've never heard that. <laughs> oh, it's so much fun. It's so much fun. We all had, um, it, uh, it's so great to hear audience laugh. It was funny, wasn't it? It was so funny, comical, but we were, it was also truthful as well, don't you think? I, well, obviously, you think. <laughs> Each of our characters were kind of bonkers, but real and i loved that and how we'd interact with each other would be it was agonizingly real because we were all, we're all motif aren't we and they they you know we Absolutely. we are you people like them or, or were like them it was really touching really touching so i hopped out of the globe and hopped into my new company wise <laughs> children and my first show was wise children and there was no way that i was doing that show without you and there was no way that you weren't going to be one of my amazing leading showgirls. And I offered you the part of showgirl Dora, who's the slightly edgy one, which I was looking forward to because you've got a beautiful sharpness underneath. In your mind is beautifully sharp underneath this beautiful physical poetry that I see in you. And I thought that's what I want. And you also have the best legs in the business. Shouldn't say it, but I'm going to. Amazing. Um, and I was very excited and you were very excited and we started workshopping, didn't we? We did. Um, I remember actually when we left, um, uh, when Romantics Anonymous was coming to an end, Gareth Snook and I um, were both looking for new agents and um, we got the same agent. By the end of that show at the Globe, we, we, we had the same agent. And then shortly after, new agent James gives me a call and said, Emma would really love you to come and do this workshop. Brilliant. Uh, who who will I be playing? Dora. Lovely. And Gareth's doing it too. Oh, fantastic. I love Gareth. Great. And what's Gareth playing? Dora. <laughs> Sorry now. What, how's that going to work? Um, he said, no, you're going to play the young Dora and he's going to play the older Dora. <laughs> no, I, I was convinced poor old new agent James was desperately confused. Um, but then we arrived at the Arnolfinian. Indeed, I was going to transform into Gareth Snook. Who knew? Um, and that was terrific. I love <laughs> we had um, a week then and then we did a second workshop um, and I, I should I actually wanted to confess something to you because I think we heard about Wise Children around the time we were doing Romantics, the company and then the show. And I, I, I'd studied a bit of Angela Carter at university but didn't know this novel. Um, and I did a cheeky little quick search on Google and I found out it was about two showgirl girls and a teeny tiny little bit of me 
got a little bit excited. I thought, huh, I just wonder if there's any chance whether maybe. And then I was in town for an audition. I'm always horribly early for auditions and always have to kill time, usually in a shop. Uh, and so I wandered into Waterstones and uh, the Waterstones in Comic Garden had like the recommended books by the staff. And one of them was Wise Children. And I thought it's a sign. So I bought it and I read it quite a long time before you actually asked me to come and play with you. It was always going to happen. Of course it was. That's just serendipity. Um, That's nothing to confess. It's just how perfect it was. So we... um, one of the things that um, happens, I mean, Angela Carter, right, is, is a hugely rich and detailed author, and she describes the lives of these two um, twin showgirls, Dora and Nora, and at one point they, they have a variety act that's very successful, and it's based on Shakespeare. It's called What You, what you Will, but of course, because it's a book... It doesn't exist. And I suddenly realised before some workshop, we're going to have to do an amazing variety um, number, musical number about Shakespeare. And we're going to have to write it from scratch. Um, and in fact, the him upstairs, Simon Baker, did a lot of research for me, did a, listen to a lot of Max Miller, um, looked back into the structure of variety and we we used one of the workshops we did together to really try and make this number because I thought you can't have a show about two successful showgirls and not show what they do and it needed to be rude and it needed to be clever and you were a huge part of that so I'm going to play another mashup which is What You Will which is the entirely created by Wise Children um, vaudeville number and it's going to start with some footage of you at the workshop and then it's going to move into the footage from the actual show. So it's going to start with Natasha and it's going to end with Melissa James and Amari Douglas and the Wise Children Company. Christ, we've never had a problem understanding Willie. His cross-dressing habits were simply overkill. He dipped his quill in all he fancied, oh, an issue understanding young Viola she would have sold her brother for a lifeboat shaped gondola when she swapped her skirt for trousers she became the boy men like the one who says he never would but looks as though he might there never was a struggle understanding Portia she dressed up as a lawyer to get her wearing quarter. Lofty attitude, she shouted, poor Bazzanio. 
she says her virtue's still intact though she likes to go commando looking back on that and I love remembering all that you put into it and you're part of the process and I feel that your DNA runs through Wise Children but Natasha it's time to fess up what happened well we did two very successful workshop weeks uh, and I just remember dancing so much in that time and I was so happy because I was just dancing with Etta and Amari and we just I keep saying dancing, but that's what we did. And it was such a joy for me because I hadn't danced for a long time. And I just kept thinking, I want to love this show. Every song that you played, that's so me. I'm going to love this. Every bit of choreography that Etta would do, oh, I'm going to love doing that. <clears throat> and then um, I spent too much time with you again, Emma, because I found out I was pregnant. <laughs> uh, just after the second workshop, and uh, another confession more to my mother than to you I rang you and told you before I told my own mum because I was so devastated um, not devastated that's not fair I was delighted that our family was growing um, that's wonderful but I was so upset about the timing and about the potential for not being able to do this groundbreaking show with you um, and you were amazing again. Um, and we decided we'd try, we'd, we'd persevere. Let's see, you know, I did it once. Maybe I can do it again. And then we got to, I think, the hottest day of the century um, in a photographer's studio in London. And we did a day of, of photography to try and capture the, the image that you wanted, the sort of um, publicity image, I suppose. And it was really hard work. Um, it shouldn't sound like it is because I was just semi-naked um, in a pair of heels, posing with Amari, which isn't the worst day in the world, is it, at all? Um, but I struggled really badly. And I remember leaving, I got to the car 
We just parked outside. I threw up all over the pavement. And I realised that this time I didn't have the strength to do it. I wasn't going to be able to do the role and the piece for you. I wasn't going to be able to do it justice. And it was a real, it was an agonising decision. Um, and all I felt that all that strength I'd found the first time round had somehow vanished. But um, I think it was the right thing to do. The show was phenomenal. When I came to see it at press night, I was so proud of the piece and also our, you know, the, the, the bit of work we'd done in workshops. I saw it in there and I felt, it's okay, I'm, I'm in there. There's a little bit of me in there. And it was wonderful. The piece was, the, the show was fantastic. And um, yeah. Not having any more babies, and Emma is some sort of fertility goddess. <laughs> oh, he was so poorly that day. That's I, I remember it as well. It was so hot, wasn't it? I was melting, you were melting, but you were so poorly. Um, and there was no joy on that day. I remember. I think you, you were. We had big showgirl fans, didn't we? And I was trying to fan you, but I think you were so poorly is that nothing. No fanning was enough. You know, it was. You know, and you had a little girl to look after as well. You know, the, your life was not the same as it was, you know, the first time. But we did get a good photograph, though, didn't we? Well, you you remained on the poster and on the cover of the book. It's you you've you're you're as I say, you're part of Wise Children. You're part of the story. You're in its DNA. Um, you know, and you everything can work out okay always. But you know, you were my Dora. Thank you. It was wonderful. It was wonderful. The show was wonderful. We did some crazy things with balloons as well. That was really exciting. <laughs> yes, dirty, dirty things with balloons. Very dirty it? things with balloons. It's Angela Carter. You you would not be doing it justice if you weren't being dirty with balloons. So <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> oh well, I'm just. I don't know. It's just wonderful to see you, and I'm going to play us out. Um, on a ridiculous because of course our, a lot of our work doesn't exist you know Vava Girls was never recorded and never videoed um, but I'm going to play us out on a peculiar version of Osita which was uh, the song for you but it's not you it's the strange version that they made on a film with a different company um, in Hindi but anyway it's a little um, homage to you as my leading lady which you will always be um, I'm only frightened that if we work together again, you you will get pregnant instantaneously because that is now my biggest fear. But before I play us out, can I just say what a pleasure it has been to have you in my life. And you really are the ultimate and the original triple threat. You can sing, you can dance and you can act. But I feel that triple doesn't do you justice because you're smart and you're kind and you're professional and you're loyal and you're funny. And I love having you in a rehearsal room. Nothing phases you and nothing is too much. You've got an ease that I envy and an integrity that I respect. And I would work with you again and again if you weren't so bloody fertile. But <laughs> seriously, it also feels a bit magic to me that I've been a small part of your family and its story. And I cheer you all on and I send you so much love until we can meet again. 
Oh, Emma, right back at you. And um, my daughter, my eldest daughter, actually, she knows all about you and the legacy you have left on our family. And um, she made you this. You can't see it's, um, it's a, a French Lego person. Hang on, hang on there. A oh. French Lego person in the stripy top with the red sort of, you know, the thing I around love the neck. it. The black trousers. That's for you. Oh, um, oh, but Emma, I, I'm... You are completely one of a kind. I've never met anyone who's so unique not only in the person you are but the work you produce and it struck me the other day how relaxed you always are and generally speaking I'm sure other actors would agree directors may be relaxed at the start but they're not always relaxed throughout the process and you you were always just so laid back and I thought why is that how is that and it's because everyone loves you you're so you have so much trust in the people around you but the people around you adore you and respect you so much. And you have championed me and my career at times when I know for certain that others wouldn't have. And I will be eternally grateful, not just for that, the strength that you've taught me, but for the way I've worked with you. I've learned to find things in myself and find a creative process from you that is just exceptional. And, and the one, there are two things that remind me of you um, in a daily um, context because I say quiet to my children <laughs> all the time and that's straight out of an Emma Rice rehearsal room uh, playbook and the other thing is a, a phrase you say when you're really happy um, at the end of a, a, a scene and you go oh, theatre magic and and actually you are that you are my theatre magic and I love you very much right back at you. Here's Sita. Oh, <laughs> 
If you have a memory or connection you'd like to share on Tea and Biscuits, leave us a message on our phone line 0117 318 3846. That's 0117 318 3846. Keep checking our social media for details of our next show. Tea and Biscuits is part of Wise Children's Lockdown. Thanks for hanging out with us. Bye.